Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.purevoice.com forward slash AVK. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Takeda Development Center Americas, Incorporated. Hello, this is Mauro Bernardi from the University of Bologna in Italy and welcome you to this activity they devoted to the oncotic and non-oncotic properties of human albumin. I'm pleased to introduce the colleagues that will join me today, uh, Professor Richard Moreau from Paris-Cité University in Paris, France, and uh, Professor Rajiv Jalan of the, from the University College and the Royal Free Hospital uh, National Health Service Foundation Trust in London, the United Kingdom. I will start recording that uh, uh, albumin is the most abundant uh, um, protein uh, in the human plasma and is used in clinical practice in several conditions as a plasma expander. Uh, could uh, Professor Moreau explain why? Yes, indeed, uh, uh, Mauro, albumin constitutes more than half of total plasma proteins. Its net negative charge facilitates the attraction of molecules of sodium and secondarily water in the vascular bed. As a result, albumin represents 75% of the plasma oncotic pressure. And plasma oncotic properties of albumin explain why this molecule is used as a plasma expander. Uh, thank you. So, I mean, albumin plays a primary role in the fluid distribution in the various uh, body compartments. However, this is not the end of the story. Uh, besides uh, oncotic properties, uh, uh, the albumin molecule exerts uh, several other functions that may be clinically relevant. And uh, I would invite uh, uh, Professor Jalan to comment on this. Thank you, Mar. Albumin is really fascinating, you know. So it has got, uh, it's got four main functional domains, if you can think about it. The first is a reduced sustained residue, which gives it its huge antioxidant property. It has got a metal binding domain which takes out oxidants, uh, metallic oxidants that are very damaging to the tissues. And it has got these a number of binding sites which can bind uh, circulating toxins and also uh, carries drugs from one site to another. And then finally, it can enter inside cells and modulate TLR9 induced inflammatory activity and of course, allows regulation of fluid distribution. So therefore, it is truly pleiotropic in its effect, and its non-oncotic properties are probably as important as its oncotic properties. Uh, another aspect that we're on discussion is the fact that the uh, albumin molecule undergo structural changes in several disease states, including the cirrhosis of the liver. And I think that Professor Moreau can uh, comment and discuss this aspect. Thank, thank you, Mauro. 
your point is addressed in this slide, which shows the relative, relative abundance of isoform of albumin assessed with the use of mass spectrometry in uh, the blood of uh, LC subjects in, line, in, uh, in black and uh, from uh, patients with cirrhosis in red. And you immediately see two very important features. First, the native uh, human albumin is dramatically decreased in blood from patients with cirrhosis, indicating the decreased uh, synthesis of albumin in the liver. And the second point is the massive increase in the uh, oxide, oxidized form of albumin at cysteine 34, indicating that the molecule of albumin was exposed to very high level of uh, oxidative stress during its journey in the body of the of, of the patients. In addition, this uh, uh, finding also indicates that uh, the uh, antioxidant properties of albumin is dramatic are dramatically uh, decreased uh, in patients uh, with uh, cirrhosis. Therefore, there are a, a lot of uh, um, uh, structural alteration of albumin in these patients. Thank you, thank you, Richard. And uh, th therefore, in patients with uh, cirrhosis of the liver, uh, albumin undergoes not only quantitative changes, but also qualitative abnormalities. And uh, uh, I, I would like to know uh, uh, the, the idea of... Uh, uh, of Rajiv Jalan on these aspects. Well, thank you, thank you again, Mauro. So, from what Professor Mauro has already said, you know, this albumin is circulating in the body, getting modified, and this modification leads to a reduction in the component of functional albumin. Therefore, the effective albumin concentration is not only dependent upon the total measured albumin concentration, but you have to take out the albumin that is modified as it journeys through the body. And as you can see, the good albumin is the green albumin, whereas in cirrhotics, as you can see on the right, not only is the total albumin reduced, but there's a dramatic reduction in the good albumin. So therefore, the effective albumin concentration is forms only 60% of the measured albumin this is a very important concept, the idea that effective albumin concentration is what we need to alter in these patients. That is interesting. And is it possible to measure effective albumin concentration? And if so, does this measure provide potential advantages on the clinical ground? That the concentration of albumin is associated with increasing severity of liver disease shown here in outpatients, AD and ACLF patients, there is a progressive reduction in total albumin. But if you look at the right, there's a very dramatic reduction in effective albumin concentration in the acutely decompensated and ACLF patients, illustrating the idea that this, uh, this can be measured, but here using very significantly different techniques. It's mass spec, which is not normally clinically available, but gives you the sense that's associated with outcomes. But of course, what we need to do is to think about how we can measure it in the clinic. 
Professor Jalan, if we are facing structural changes, also function are, are, are altered in these patients. Absolutely, and again, this is illustrated on this slide very beautifully. So each of the functional domains that I've talked to you about can now be measured. And here this shows you one of those, which gives you a measurement of binding efficiency. And on the right, you can see that there is measurement of detoxification efficiency. This uses a technique called EPR spectroscopy, which has now been made easy and potentially commercially available in some parts of the world. As you can see, uh, possible to translate clinically, I think, binding efficiency and detoxification efficiency is progressively reduced as you move from uh, normal to uh, acutely decompensated to ACLF patients. Thank you so much. So the, the concept of effective albumin brings with it uh, the perspective of uh, research activity and clinical advancement. May I ask uh, to Professor Moreau uh, how, uh, which is his view on, this, uh, on these topics? Uh, to me, the future uh, research should address the following questions. First, how long albumin maintains its molecular integrity once it is infused in a patient with an inflammatory state, which is a major uh, uh, alteration in patients with cirrhosis. The second question is, how can we improve the quality of commercial albumin? And uh, the other question is uh, the following, does albumin act directly on activated immune cells that are involved in systemic inflammation, which again is a central problem in patients with decompensated cirrhosis. Thank you so much. I will try to summarize the most important concept uh, that, we, uh, that we discussed. Uh, albumin has oncotic properties that make it a powerful plasma expander, but uh, it also exerts several non-oncotic properties which are relevant to clinical practice. Uh, disease state, including uh, cirrhosis, often lead to structural and therefore functional abnormalities in albumin. And as a consequence, the amount of the intact, fully functional, the effective albumin can be dramatically reduced. Measuring the serum albumin concentration may offer advantages to clinical practice. Therefore, I think that an effort should be made to bring this uh, evaluation within the reach of physicians. Thank you for watching and uh, uh, let me invite you to join us at the next panel discussion. Hello everybody. My name is Professor Rajiv Jalan. I'm from the Royal Free Hospital NHS Foundation Trust in the UK and University College London. I welcome you to this activity about the non-oncotic properties of albumin and its functional consequences. And I'm really pleased and excited to present to you Professor Bernardi from the University of Bologna, Italy, and Professor Moreau from Paris, 
seat in Paris, France, joining me today for this discussion. We will discuss the functional properties of albumin and how it drives the clinical effect. But before going there, it is useful to understand how the disease evolves over time. So Professor Morrow, I wonder if you can explain what are the different stages of liver disease in, that may determine the use of albumin? Uh, patients with the acutely decompensated cirrhosis are uh, admitted to the hospital and represent a very complex uh, picture, you know, because there are uh, different categories of patients. Patients with ACLF with, who have a very high risk of uh, death and uh, or receiving a liver transplant. Patients are the, other, are the opposite who have a stable decompensated cirrhosis and a very good prognosis. Patients with unstable uh, decompensated cirrhosis and an intermediate, I would say, uh, prognosis, uh, mortality uh, of uh, 20% only. And uh, finally, patients with pre-ACLF who, uh, in fact, have the same prognosis as patients uh, who uh, presented with ACLF. And these uh, different categories of patients uh, indicate which uh, group of patients should uh, receive a, a very intense uh, treatment to prevent the further uh, decompensation and uh, decrease the high risk of mortality. So, Richard, just taking it forward from there, so what do you think is the underlying pathophysiology of this process? And how do you think albumin fits into that paradigm? Uh, yes, portal hypertension and liver injury plays a very important role in the development of mechanism which lead to the uh, development of complication of cirrhosis. In particular, portal hypertension and liver injury stimulate a massive uh, pro-inflammatory response as well as uh, uh, li uh, release of uh, reactive oxygen species and uh, reactive nitrogen species, which play a central role in the development of cardiovascular dysfunction. And cardiovascular dysfunction is the master for um, the development of the other complication of cirrhosis, hepatic encephalopathic kidney dysfunction, hepatopulmonary syndrome, etc. And uh, here you can see that uh, albumin can have different targets. Of course, uh, albumin can target cardiovascular dysfunction because it is a plasma expander and also maybe because it uh, decreases myocardial uh, inflammation, which is uh, uh, known to occur in some, in, in some patients. In addition, albumin may uh, neutralize the bacterial pumps and and uh, dams, which play a very important role in the induction of systemic inflammation. Well, thank you, Richard. That's very clear. And it therefore is interesting that, you know, when we come to thinking about the evidence for the use, in albumin, use of albumin in patients with cirrhosis, we already know that it is the, the drug of choice and its guideline base that it's useful in, in, in large volume paracentesis where it acts by volume expansion. In hepatorenal syndrome, it seems to act by volume expansion. But of course, it was very intriguing to see that in patients that had spontaneous bacterial peritonitis, that infusion of albumin actually improved survival. 
Mauro, can you explain why is this um, unexpected benefit of SBP uh, seen and, and how is it that is relevant to our whole concept that albumin is likely to be more than just for a fluid? that non-oncotic uh, properties of albumin are important and sometimes they play the major role. For instance, albumin infusion in patients with spontaneous bacterial uh, peritonitis, but not hydroxyethyl starch, increases peripheral vascular resistance and improves cardiac work index. Uh, albumin restores uh, herd contractility, which is impaired in cirrhotic rats with uh, carbon tetrachloride induced cirrhosis. And uh, albumin restores immunocompetence by binding prostaglandin E2 because in patients with advanced cirrhosis, the amount of circulating free prostaglandin E2 is increased. Finally, we, we shouldn't forget that we are using albumin as a toxin absorbent in several liver, extracorporeal liver assist devices. Well, thank you. So therefore, you know, it takes me very nicely on to this beautiful study, which you were the senior author on, which really explored for the first time the importance of long-term albumin administration, the ANSWER study. Uh, th thank you. Thank you, Rajiv. Uh, the ANSWER study is a prospective multi-center, uh, open-label, uh, pragmatic clinical trial that we perform in several centers in Italy. We enroll patients uh, with uh, cirrhosis, uncomplicated ascites needing diuretic therapy. They were randomized to receive uh, standard medical treatment, which included albumin administration for well-established indications, or standard medical treatment plus uh, human albumin a solution at 20% in the amount of 40 gram twice a week for the initial two weeks and 40 gram a week uh, afterwards. The duration of the follow-up was 18 months and the study ended if the patient undergo liver transplantation, tip sensation, or develop a severity of refractoriness of ascites requiring three or more paracentesis per month. The primary endpoint was overall survival, and this endpoint was reached at patients who receive albumin had a better survival with respect to the standard medical treatment group. And this was associated with a reduction in the hazard ratio for mortality by 38%. But thank you, Mauro. Will you explain to us why this other study, the MACT study, in long-term albumin infusion in decompensated cirrhotics, did not show any significant changes in the probability of developing complications, nor in survival? There are several differences between the ANSWER and the MACT study. But in my mind, the most important is related to the amount of albumin given to patients. As a matter of fact, uh, in the MAC study, the patients received uh, more or less half of the amount of albumin uh, with respect to the ANSWER study, 
which also use a, 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 a priming dose in, in the initial two weeks of the study. And this possibly explains one very important aspect in my mind. Uh, in the MAC study, where there was no effect on serum albumin concentration, uh, while uh, uh, in the ANSWER study, patients who receive albumin increased the serum albumin concentration by 0 0.7, 0 0.8 per deciliter within a month and remain steady at that level. So I think this is the, uh, the explanation for the difference we have seen on the clinical ground. What about patients with acutely decompensated cirrhosis? A tire trial. I'll randomize the patients with the acutely decompensated cirrhosis, but without ACLS to receive either albumin every day, I would say for two weeks, or standard, standard uh, medical treatment. And uh, the, the results of the trial were uh, totally negative. There were no difference between the two arms of the trial. But I must say that uh, this result should be interpreted uh, uh, taking into consideration that very uh, these patients were not very severe, and therefore we don't know if uh, uh, albumin would have a, a beneficial effect in, in, in more severe patients. Long-term albumin infusion is challenging logistically and otherwise. So from your knowledge of today, which patients do we need to target with albumin? And what do you think is needed for it to be adopted worldwide? Two important and difficult questions. Uh, first of all, which patient we should uh, explore uh, in terms of long-term albumin administration? Uh, I think it is difficult to think about patients less severe than those uh, enrolled in the ANSWER study. Uh, Possibly patients with a baseline condition more severe with respect to the answer study. And this opens the questions. Same dose, higher dose, uh, different schedule of, the, of administration. And possibly uh, an answer to, to this question uh, may come out from the Preciosa study which is ongoing. This enrolling patient with the more severe cirrhosis is given a higher amount of albumin, uh, which is, makes sense. And uh, possibly this, uh, uh, this trial will, will, will answer to your questions, at, at least for patients with more severe cirrhosis. I would just like to conclude by thanking my uh, co-speakers uh, today, Professor Bernardi and Professor Morrow, and summarizing that, you know, there are many potential positive impacts of albumin and decompensated cirrhosis. It can mod modify the natural history of cirrhosis. It can prevent disease-associated organ failure. It has serious uh, potential to reduce disease-associated hospitalization and uh, burden on healthcare. And finally, data from the ANSWER study shows pretty dramatic improvements in survival and the quality of life of patients. And with that, I would like to thank you for your attention and um, watching this session. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.